There's a bizarre little story in uh, 1 Kings chapter 3 where God comes to Solomon, who's about to become king, and he says to Solomon, uh, ask what you would have me give you. Kind of giving Solomon a blank check, which you can imagine if you were starting as a king, starting off with a blank check from God for something that you want is a really great way to start. And Solomon, as you might know, is, makes a better decision than I would have at that young age. He chooses wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. And God is so pleased that he asks for wisdom that God grants him all of the other blessings as well. This might be a small lesson on prayer in that if we learn how to ask the right question or ask for the right thing, the other things can fall in line too. I often ask God to take my problems away from me, like make it go away. Like, I've got this situation, this person, this, this problem, this thing, and I just want it to disappear. God, fix it. But my experience in life is not that God shows up and magically poofs whatever problem I have out of existence. He usually puts me in the situation where I have to go through that trial. Is that your experience as well? And so my request for God, if it's poof, make that problem disappear, and God says, I'm not in the poofing business. You're asking the wrong thing. Solomon makes the right choice because he knows that as king, he will travel through all sorts of trials and that nothing will save him from that death. Nothing will save him from those pains and from those problems. And so his request is incredibly wise in asking for the wisdom to manage successfully all of those trials, temptations, and problems And so I was thinking about Solomon in these grand terms and what it would be like to sort of have an opportunity to ask God anything and then taking that lesson saying, like, I should ask for wisdom. And then I began to think about Jesus and what he taught us about prayer. Did Jesus ever tell us to pray for something specifically, something that would would give us the right kind of thing to ask for, the right question, the the right request from God so that I can manage and live through whatever the trial that I'm facing right now. What would that, what would that thing be? And this was new to me, and I want to share it with you because I, I never, I'm sure I've read this passage before, but it was lost on me as it happens sometimes. And I want to share it with you. So Jesus opens up his teaching on prayer in Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, we read, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Prayer is an an essential part of Jesus' spiritual life. He does it all the time. He does it alone. He does it together. He does it uh, all night. He does it in the morning. He's praying all the time. And so they notice this and say, Lord, teach us to pray like you. Whatever it is that you're connecting with God in this moment, teach us how to do that as well. And so he responds to them. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, this is likely familiar to you. Uh, You've heard the Lord's Prayer probably. We've prayed it here many, many times. And this is the shorter version that we have 
in Luke. And I want to stop there just for a second and, and, and express how this should not bother us that there are two versions of the Lord's Prayer in your Bible. Because you have to remember that Jesus taught this prayer in probably 20 different cities, maybe more. And he probably taught this prayer in multiple places in that one city and two different kinds of people in that city. I preach weekly. Every week you, I, I come here and I stand here. And if you ask me to repeat verbatim what I told you last week, could not do it. I wrote it. I said it many times over. I still couldn't redo it. Because every situation kind of provokes something different. And so what we should find when we see things like this, where there's deep commonality between both Matthew and Luke, we shouldn't see something that people want to call a contradiction. You should see the truth. Because if two kids in the room tell you the same story exactly, what are they doing, parents? Lying. They're lying. It makes a lot of sense to me that Matthew would tell the Lord's Prayer in one way, and Luke would remember it a different way because they probably remember different situations. And so anyway, I just want to bring that up because I know that that sometimes bothers people. I want to make that clearly. This is, this is a moment not of confusion or doubt, but trustworthiness in Scripture. So uh, let's take this just briefly here and look at the themes that we see across between Matthew and Luke. First, we see that God is Holy. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. No book, no preacher, no sermon, no person, no thing will ever figure out God. And anyone who ever tries to get you into their camp thinking they have is probably mistaken. And so we come to this, this, this realization of God's greatness, of his holiness. We hear about his, his kingdom You'll notice over and over again, Luke is hammering this home. What is the good news? The good news is that this world is corrupt and broken to its core. And no matter how hard we try to fix it, we keep making it worse. And that God has decided in his infinite grace and goodness to step in and to fix our mess. And when his kingdom comes, when his rule is established, all things will be made right. We, as the people of God, are holding on to that hope, proclaiming that hope, and living as though that hope is here today. Because if we live it as though it is here today, then it is. It is. We're told that in the midst of this search for the kingdom, we are given provision by God. God is the one who provides our daily bread. Psalm 27 says, Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And trusting in the name of God might seem like a flimsy hope, but your chariots will rust and your horses will die, but the word of God has never stopped. It has continued and will continue. And so we put our trust in the things that are greater, the things that do not pass away. Remembering that in this day, in this moment, this invitation to live for today and not worry about tomorrow and not re-adjudicate yesterday, this invitation to live today is yours if you pray for it, if you claim to it. Because God has today, and today is all you have. So we put our trust in the one who provides. We are told here specifically to forgive. And there's nothing in this prayer that takes more space up 
than the necessity of forgiveness. And here, the part of the prayer that is only a prayer is our prayer to God, forgive us our sins, because Jesus takes it as a brute fact that if you take up the call to prayer, you have already chosen to forgive everyone who wronged you. That if you would dare go to God and say, God, forgive me for the things that I have done wrong, it is impossible to hold against someone else what they have done wrong to you. Jesus takes this just as a necessity. When we come to God, we're coming to God to take away our sins. But he uses this important term right here, indebted. This word is the word for debt, for cash, money. Because we are flippant about our sins. We are quick to sort of brush things under the rug. We're quick to make ourselves not as bad. But when it comes to money... When it comes to money, everybody's eyes are open, and we start holding each other deeply accountable. And so Jesus puts it in terms that cost us. He says, when someone owes you cash, figure out a way to forgive them. Like, this is a tough thing here, and he's bringing it to places that are so difficult for us that it is unflinching in our call to be loving and to forgive one another. Finally, we are told that the Lord will protect us. And so we need to pray not to be led into temptation or to trial or to trouble. These themes are classic themes. They're things that you have heard probably many times. But they're things that we need to remember in this difficult time. As Jesus moves on, he is still talking about prayer. And I want to move into the rest of this section of Luke 11. Because Jesus is about to give us a parable a proverb, and he's going to close it with a parable, and then he is going to tell us exactly what we ought to be praying for. And so uh, this is all within the realm of prayer. Jesus kind of gave a little, a little prayer for us to kind of take and hold on to us. Now he's going to focus on what, what is it that we should be praying for deeply. His first parable goes like this. Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Now let's just pause there and put our minds into an ancient context where when you are traveling to somebody else's house, there are no McDonald's on the way, there is no stop-offs at Speedway for coffee, there are no rest stops, there are no hotels, there is you and the place you are going. And so when you show up at that place, you might be awfully hungry, which is why so deeply ingrained in that Middle Eastern culture, really even that Eastern culture, was the process and practice of hospitality. It would be shameful for you to travel a great distance, arrive at my house, and me not offer you food and drink. Shame would come upon my house for that. And so while we don't necessarily think that way, because we'd be like, well, we'll go out to wherever, or stop wherever, or, you know, whatever, we'll pull it out of the fridge, they live day to day. And so that's what's happening in this, in this parable. This person has got somebody coming to their house. It's the middle of the night when they finally arrive. And so they're going to their neighbor's house to beg for food. And uh, so, so anyway, here we go. This is the situation. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. So the person answering from within the house, don't bother me. The door is shut. My children are in bed. I can't give up and give, get up and give you anything. So here's what Jesus says about this situation. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. I like that. Like, real friends? No, dude. Go on. I'm <laughs> real friends will tell you to take a hike. 
But because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Because he is bold enough to step out into the night and go bother somebody. Because he is asking for something that, that is above and beyond the pale. Because of that boldness, Jesus says, the friend inside will get up and find it and come and give it to you. This is a very strange kind of story, isn't it? It's a very strange kind of story. Because you think, I would think that the reason that he gets up is because they're friends. But Jesus says, no, it's not friendship. It's not the friendship. It's the boldness of the request that achieves the result. Here, next, Jesus is going to take this and he's going to give us a proverb. Now, remember that a, a proverb is a wisdom saying and it's meant to be remembered because remember with me that as Jesus is teaching, they don't have Bibles, they don't have pens, they don't have paper, they don't have notes. What you hear from Jesus, what you remember and walk away with is all you take with you. That's all you've got. And so Jesus has this little proverb here. I tell you, and you've probably heard this before, ask and it will be given to you. Have you heard this before? Seek and you will find, knock it will be open to you. That's kind of an easy thing to remember. We like threes, you kind of hear that three. For everyone who asks receives, you can see that kind of connection. The one who seeks finds, the one who knocks it is open to. This parable is again within the context of prayer. All of this has to do with prayer. You're asking, you're seeking, you're knocking, but for what? I mean, is this just a blank check to ask God whatever you want? Because I could use a new Lexus, right? What is this? What are we seeking? What are we looking for? What are we, what, he gives us the proverb, but he doesn't give us quite yet the answer. So he's given us a parable of boldness. He's given us a proverb of asking, seeking, knocking. And now he's going to give us another parable. It's a very short one-liner, really easy. What father among you, if his son, in my case daughter, asks for a fish, will, give, uh, will instead of a fish give a serpent? Or if she asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? So this, this is an easy parable to think about. Obviously, we don't often, my kids ask for um, popsicles. <laughs> Ask for popsicles. Ask for popsicles. And so they come to ask for popsicles, and I give them popsicles. If we are capable, if I look at my goodness, all the goodness that's in me, and I look at God's goodness, and I, if I can catch a glimpse of the, the disparity between those layers of goodness <laughs> between me and God, and I, in all that I am, all of my darkness, all of my evil, all of my selfishness, am able to sort of see a sweet face and hand a popsicle without thinking. If I'm willing and able and ready immediately to offer such boundless grace to such selfish little children, how much more is our Heavenly Father to us, selfish little children, inwardly focused, worried about our problems, and yet God's wide mercy is being stated here. But again, is this a blank check? Is this just ask God to fix your problems. This is ask God to, to help me out. Ask God to, to give me what I need. What, what are we supposed to be asking for? And at this point, Jesus brings it all to a head. The, the, pro, uh, the, the parable, the proverb, and the other parable. He says, if then we 
If, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want to hang on to that for a second. Jesus has given us a parable, a proverb, and another parable, all to drive one single point about prayer home, that we should be asking for more of the Holy Spirit. If God shows up to you in a dream tonight, stands over you and says, ask whatever you will of me. You could ask for wisdom. That's a good one. Solomon did well with that. But Jesus also says, you should ask for the Spirit. You should ask for the Spirit. I'm struck by how important the Spirit is in all of this. If the kingdom is coming, if, if the bread for the day is in God's hand, if all of this is, is moving forward, if, if we are going to have all these trials and temptations, all the things that sort of were, were in that top Lord's Prayer bit, as we call it, we're going to need extra moves and steps and power from the Spirit. We're going to need help on the journey. And what Jesus says is that what we should be doing is, is entreating God to pour out upon us more of his Holy Spirit. Now, if we were reading just Luke all the way through together, we wouldn't really need to go over this, but I want to highlight three reasons that Luke has already given to us of what the Spirit does and why the Spirit for Jesus is such an essential part of, uh, of, of of the life of the Christian. All right, so the first thing we read about the Holy Spirit in Luke, and I'm, you don't, I'm not expecting you'll remember all of these texts. I'm just trying to overwhelm you with all of the places that Luke brings up what the Spirit is doing. And so the first thing we see the Spirit doing is that the, the Spirit is in the process of revealing to people what God is doing in the moment, what God is doing right now. And so Elizabeth meets, uh, meets Mary, who's praying with Jesus, and the Spirit leaps in her. She recognizes what is happening via the Holy Spirit. Zechariah prophesies from the Spirit of the life of John the Baptist. Simeon and Anna, you'll remember, they see little baby Jesus. Of all the babies in the temple, they zero in on the one that is the Messiah. They zero right in on it. The Spirit opens their eyes and they're able to recognize in that moment what God is doing. Imagine all of the other people in the temple that day who passed the Messiah by, all those people who could have held Jesus in their arms, like they all walked on by. But that day, two people who were in tune with the Spirit recognized what was going on. The Spirit awakens us. Jesus is doing something new in the world. He is doing something so new in the world that it is going to take new eyes to see it, new ears to hear it. And for Luke, that gift is not located in us trying harder. It's not locating us in even learning more. It is located in us as we seek and pray for the Spirit, asking for the Spirit, seeking for the Spirit, knocking on heaven's door for the Spirit because the Spirit can open our eyes to what God is doing in this moment. That is why we are called to to pray for the Spirit more because the Spirit opens the door for the wisdom of the moment. And you'll notice how closely connected the wisdom 
of God and the Spirit of God are. The second thing is the Spirit empowers. You've got to notice this. John the Baptist is full of the Spirit. Jesus is strong in the Spirit. Jesus comes to the temple as a child. Uh, he's 12 years old. Remember that whole situation? He gets, stays at the temple a little too long. Mom and dad travel on. That whole moment is bathed in the Spirit. When Jesus gets baptized, the Spirit comes upon him. Then the Spirit drives him into the wilderness. And when he comes back from the wilderness, he comes back from the wilderness to preach and proclaim in the power of the Spirit. Listen. If anyone is able to go through life on their own will, powers, and strength alone, it has to be Jesus Christ. And yet, what do we see Jesus constantly doing? He is fully dependent upon the Father for the words to say, and he is fully dependent upon the Spirit for the power to make them happen. And if Jesus is dependent upon the Father for the word and the Spirit for the life, then so are we. So when Jesus says, Pray for the Spirit. I don't think he's joking. I don't think he told us two parables in a proverb just because it was something we ought to do. I think he is trying to drive it home with all of the force possible. If you want to live the Christian life, you must be full of the Spirit. And to be full of the Spirit is not of your own accord. It is a gracious gift from God. You get on your knees and you ask God, God lead me, God fill me, God I'm asking, God I'm seeking, God I'm knocking, and God in his goodness, and God in his grace, and God in his mercy, meet you. Lastly, the spirit is what Jesus came to bring. Notice that? John the Baptist is a powerful preacher. He is, he is shaking Israel up. He is shaking it up. And so people come to John and they say, are you, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Are, are, we've, we've been looking for a, a, a loud and bold preacher. And here you are being loud and bold. <laughs> Looks right. And John says, no. No. Because you shouldn't be looking for loud and bold. You should be looking for the Spirit. John says, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after whose whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. What will he do? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will transform. He will purify. It will change you. But what is it that will change you? It is the Spirit. It is the Spirit who comes upon us that changes us. As I think about Solomon, I think about that moment where he had this chance to, to ask God for anything he, he wanted or anything he needed. And he was, he was smart enough at that young age to ask for wisdom, to, to make it through life well. And for them, a lot of that wisdom had, a, had to do with, with proverbs and sayings. It, it was a bit wooden. It was a bit wooden. But Jesus, Paul calls the wisdom of God. Jesus, the wisdom of God, walking and moving. And when you look upon him, you see God walking and moving. You see the spirit breathing and living. And so when when Jesus teaches us to pray and he tells us, ask, seek, and knock, and make sure that what you're asking, seeking, and knocking for is the presence, power, wisdom, healing transformation of the Holy Spirit that is exactly what we should be doing 
that this week as you face all of the trials, as you face the need for your daily bread, as you face all of the things that are, are frustrating and fearful and make you just want to tear your hair out, I want you to stop praying that your problems will poof, go away. They won't. They won't. But God can fill you with the wisdom and power of his spirit. That can happen. That can happen right now. That can happen today. That can happen tomorrow. That can happen in every single situation. If we, the keepers of the word, hold on to the promise and make our prayers the prayers for the spirit, these things can happen. Let's stand. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song, and then we have a short announcement. Uh, In the scriptures, it tells us to lift our hands in victory. So let's lift our hands up. All eyes are closed. I can't see who's doing it and who's not, but I'm going to lift my hands up and just pray. Oh, God, you who are great and glorious, you who made heaven and earth, you who made every atom, every subatomic particle, every galaxy, everything that is so infinitesimally small we can't perceive it, and everything that is so big our minds can't wrap ourselves around it. You who made all things. Lord, we ask for the thing that we neither deserve nor could possibly even comprehend. And yet in boldness, Because of your word, we ask that your spirit would fall here today. That your Holy Spirit would come upon us in such a way that your beautiful prayer, that the kingdom would come, that that bellies would be full, that forgiveness would pour out, that mercy and justice would reign, and it would reign in the church first. Let your spirit fall upon us and make these things true. Bless us, O God, in ways we don't deserve. Fill us, O God, all the way up that we might be an outpouring of your power and your grace and your mercy. We pray these things in the name of the living God and the name of the holy and only Son, Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, And all of God's people said,